Guys, SaaS Open is our next big event in New York City, March 16th and 17th. We'll have a thousand SaaS leaders all sharing how they built their companies. Our keynotes are Henry Shuck, Marie Martins from Tally.SAO, Serby from Symbol, Christopher of DocHub, who had a big exit. Again, hundreds of speakers, a thousand plus attendees. And we've got folks bringing their entire executive teams because we have stages for founders, heads of product, head of finance and BD, CMOs and CROs, and then a people in HR stage. It's going to be special. Prices are increasing every week, so you don't want to wait. Go to sasopen.com right now to see what the ticket price is and lock in your spot today. Again, that's sasopen.com, March 16th and 17th in New York City. Tickets are almost sold out. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Guys, Pete Fishman, MozartData.com. They've got big customers like Modern Treasury. Call it almost 100 customers paying on average 1800 bucks a month. They're pushing a $2 million run rate today in a really good position. They closed a $15 million Series A last year at pushing call at somewhere around $100 million valuation. And they're being pretty scrappy about it. They didn't go hire 100 people. There are 25 folks full-time today taking a disciplined approach to growth. We'll see what happens next Hey, folks. My guest today is Pete Fishman. He's a CEO and co-founder of Mozart Data. He's over a decade of running data and data-adjacent teams at startups in a variety of industries, including gaming, social, HR and benefits, real estate, and many others. When he realized he was building the same thing at every company, he said, man, I got to build a modern data stack that anybody can use. And that's why he launched MozartData.com. Pete, you ready to take us to the top? Ready to do it. All right. Who's using you these days? Is there any customer you can talk about in a use case? You know, sure. I would say that um, obviously, we 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 love highlighting our you know our big customers. So you know we've we've got uh, you know a few unicorns that are using us. I love you know obviously giving shout outs to a company like Modern Treasury, who's been one of our like longest uh, supporters. How do they use you? Well, everybody knows Modern Treasury. That's a good example. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a company like Modern Treasury uses us as as their core data infrastructure. So uh, they have an incredible. Uh, data science team, data analysts, um, even folks that sort of work as data engineers. Uh, but they sort of focus on organizing, structuring their data so they could, you know, build insights and reports and sort of uh, monitor those for the company rather than sort of spend most of their time, um, you know, doing the data sort of plumbing and uh, data infra work that's really become uh, rote and 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 commonplace for many of these companies. And when we spoke back in December of 2021, you told me your pricing model was based off compute and number of rows. Is that still the case today? Or have you changed your pricing model? Um, we have not changed our pricing model. We are still planning on not reinventing the wheel on that front. There's many, many, many great data companies out there. Um, and we want to copy essentially the, the norms that they've put into the industry. So we want to price in a very standard and transparent way. Uh, but one big difference that, that those companies don't do versus us is that we bundle those things. So many of those companies charge on compute we ch- or charge on rows. We charge on effectively the bundle of compute and rows. They get you on both. It's a pain in the butt because you'll need a bunch of one and not a lot of the other, but you got to pay for both sort of thing, right? That's right. So we have a singular currency. So you can be sort of fungible between 
those two, right? So some companies, they have just giant, often like these are B2C companies that are tracking many, many things have, you know, a bunch of rows, but maybe they're not doing as heavy or complex joints on top of them. Or sometimes you have B2B companies that have very valuable rows. So each mm-hmm. row represents a lot of money or potential revenue, but then maybe they're, so they're bringing in very few to their warehouse, but maybe they're doing a lot of analysis of each and every customer. Very cool. And talk to me about growth and usage. You said customers on average are paying about 1800 bucks a month two years ago. Where are you at today? Actually, that number is pretty flat for, for two reasons. One, our largest customers have expanded. So, you know, we've actually set new records uh, last month and the previous month for, uh, you know, our, our sort of biggest usage-based customers that are that are paying us, you know, uh, you know north of six figures. Um, but we've also brought on board a lot of sort of more early stage companies. And we sort of introduced more new pricing that is much more early stage friendly. Um, so the, the net of those two sort of balance out on our ACV. Okay. Fair, fair. Do you have your first million dollar account yet? Uh, we don't have a seven figure account, but um, but we are. Uh, yeah, but I will. You'll be one of the first to know uh, when that happens. And but you know there are a lot of companies that do spend a lot of in, on, on data infrastructure. Obviously, oh, yeah. many companies that spend seven figures. Um, we obviously target the SMBs, and you would be surprised at how quickly you know consumption goes up once they start seeing value in data. Oh, 100%. Okay, so about flat there. Um, you launched this in 2020. You told me you came on, I think it was last year that I think this is right. You guys did a 15 million Series A, right? Last year? That's correct. Yes. Talk to me about that. Was that before was the market already crashing at that point? Or did you get that in right before things started going a little haywire? I, I like to think of it as like Indiana Jones, where like it just sneaks in as like the door is like sort of uh, coming down. You know, I don't I don't I don't think we you know, we, we raised uh at the start of uh, 2022, so not the world's best time, but but in hindsight, basically yes, the world's effectively best time. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, I would say I would say that um, obviously we raised a, a great round at a great time, which means that we have a long runway. So we are trying to still have a pretty forward-looking perspective. You know, obviously not that we see you know, an end to our runway, but I think we also do want to be responsible. Um, you know, this is not uh, my first rodeo and, I, and I've and i seen companies that have, you know, kind of used their runway poorly. So we want to be pretty intentional about what we're trying to do. And was that Series A pretty standard? Most folks are selling, call it 10, 15% of the company in their Series A's back then. Were you sort of in that same range? Yeah, exactly. So, okay. um, so you're pushing uh, that, you're pushing that a six figure, value, sorry, a seven, uh, sorry, a nine figure valuation and over a hundred million. Um, and that would be obviously if it were 15%, 15 million on 15% would be, uh, would be a hundred million. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, valuations and fundraising and, <laughs> and quantity of capital available, um, were, uh, you know, we're obviously very different uh, in 2021. But the, I guess I, not to put you on this, but the reason I asked that question is there's a lot of folks that did great rounds last year at really high uh, multiples. I forget if I think you were at like two or three million in, in run rate when you did that, which was like a 40 or 50 X multiple. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. Something like that. Uh, no, we were at, we were actually, uh, actually just south of a million. So actually it was like, oh. uh, you know, if you if you take if you take that, if you take that number, it ends up being obviously, a, you know, a bigger multiple. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess the reason I bring that up is obviously every startup, uh, you also sold 7% to YC back in the day for 150K, you're, you're part of that program. You've got to manage, obviously, the storyline you tell your team on their option value. And so mm -hmm. if they see the market going crazy, but you were bragging a year ago about the how you got a really great valuation, minimized dilution, how do you now reverse that narrative and tell the updated storyline, which is, guys, your options are still above water. Don't worry. Well, I mean... I you know, we don't think of basically the private valuations or the sort of current state of the market as the the key indicator for kind of the success of the company. At the end of the day, this company will be, you know, especially for the employees, the, the common holders, which include me, like uh, there's very few outcomes where the company ends up being worth exactly the amount that we raised for. Um, the company, the modal outcome of the company, the the, the mean and the median is that uh, is that ultimately it goes to zero, but uh, but there are many outcomes where the company is wildly successful. So you know we don't really we don't really harp on uh, the likely outcome for many companies in the seed and Series A stage. We we think about kind of what the opportunity is, and we race pretty hard to that. And you know in terms of options being underwater, you know obviously I've worked at at many companies. Some the options you know the drill. Successful. That's why I asked. Yeah, some of the options were successful and, and, and some they weren't. A couple of things we did do. So we did do a reset 409A. So it is the case that um, firms that are doing 409A valuations um, have been uh, a, very different about those valuations the back half of 2022 than they were uh, in 2021. So we're we still have, seeing about 30% discounts to the to the last round or are you seeing something different? Um, in terms of uh, the 409As? Yeah, the 409As all last year were coming in 30%, yeah. about 30% of what we were seeing the valuations at. Um, I mean, to be to be total to be totally honest, I, I uh, damn, now I'm doing the math in my head. It was it was steeper than that. So it was almost a 50% discount. So okay. uh, so uh, you know, I would say that Well, no, not steeper. Sorry. What I was saying is what I was seeing was 70% discounts where the valuation was oh, okay. 30%. Okay, so that was not what I was seeing in in in, in our four hundred nine a, but but resetting that for employees was actually important. So it gives great. them greater confidence that um, greater confidence that uh, they are going to be above water and that there's a lot of uh, value in essentially holding their their common shares and their their belief that you know our company can get to a really great place with our runway. Pete, what's uh, the team so size I, today? How many folks? We are. 25 folks. So oh, that's great. Uh, so you've grown without adding a lot of because I think last we spoke, you were at 20 or 21 people. So you haven't gone on some sorry, crazy hiring spree. Sorry, we're, uh, we're about five people bigger uh, than when we last talked, five or six people bigger than last talk. So you know, you're talking about 20 or 30%. Um, you know, and, and to that end, you know, obviously, that sort of corresponded to a little, you know, honestly, a little shrink in um, what was our model? So our model was to double our people and, you know, more than triple our revenue. And I think that we've been a lot, you know, a lot more focused on doing everything efficiently. And we sort of got that, that cue really early. Uh, I think before a lot of companies really, that became the the thing that everybody started doing. Yeah, yeah. The, the LinkedIn post that went viral. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Talk to me about customers today. So obviously you mentioned you're adding at the top of the funnel, lower ARPU, but you're also expanding with big ones. How many total customers are you serving today? No, we're below 100 customers. Um, I was really hoping to to get there for this podcast. Uh, and you know, when you multiply that by our ACV, which I mentioned was between you know 20 and and, and 25k, so we're we're pushing up against uh, hitting you know two million. Um, and um, you know, I would say that you know our goal is to 
really expand on the low end. So we still see really great NDR in our cohorts. What's good? Uh, like above 130, 140%? Um, yeah. So, uh, so the answer is yes. Uh, so some of our initial cohorts were just ridiculous. So over $2. Um, wow. But, but uh, you know, once we see those companies maturing and starting to really add all of their data sources, we're still seeing, you know, well above, you know, a dollar and a quarter and, you know, into the dollar 50. Yeah. So 125, 150% NDR is what that means, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very, very cool. All yeah, right. I, and, I, I just benchmarked it against the dollar. No, I think that's so great. I, I, I think that's actually made way easier to talk about it against a dollar. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a dollar, not a percent guy. Um, cool. I, I guess any other things you're, you're, that you think are sort of is, is non-common advice, but you know is true because you've done this so much advice you'd give other entrepreneurs? Well, so, I mean, I would separate out a couple of things. So you mentioned one, just trying to motivate the team um, with, uh, you know, with, with, with equity, but being extremely generous given kind of the likelihoods of, of potentially being out of the money. So you have this tension of, are the teams valuing equity at a time of high inflation and, you know, kind of the world is collapsing, but what you get are the true believers in your company. So it's a little bit counterintuitive. The ones that are finding kind of that difficult to find motivation in it, you know, probably aren't quite the right fits for your team. So you, you know, we offer extremely generous equity packages to, you know, join the company, which is also why we've had maybe a, a little bit smaller of a growth, right? So we've been focused on giving out. And, and as a result, we also had a larger equity option pool um, because we did in, you know, anticipate maybe- What's large? I mean, most standard ones are like 5 to 7% uh, attached to the Series A round. Did you do something bigger than that in terms of ESOP? Yeah, we did do uh, oh, wow. a little bit bigger than that. So- okay. um, and, 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 and with that, that sort of corresponds to the philosophy. And I think it matches um, what I think of as your opportunity, which is, you know, now is now is the classic time to join startups. These are when the heroic returns actually happen. We think that uh, we have the runway to make something special happen. So it's kind of getting in at the right time, um, I think gives us like really uh, a unique opportunity as opposed to one where where there was so many uh, competitors that are able to sort of join us along the way. So you mentioned that one from the start. The other one that I think is, you know, one that I talk about, we sell to SMBs um, and and uh, typically like hot SMBs, right? Like, so companies that are growing, that are getting data, that, that are growing with that, you know, that segment is going to be a lot more dollar constrained, right? And so you have this sort of counterbalance that I'm seeing, which is on the one hand, we sell a product that's supposed to substitute out a much, 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 much more expensive product, data engineers. A data engineer might cost 100x what Mozart costs. Um, so uh, so on the one hand, we have sort of the sort of tailwind of we're a sort of a, a, a cheaper product than the data engineer. So that's an incredible tailwind in this tight, like tightening of money. On the other hand, you know, the companies that we sell to have had a huge money crunch. Maybe if you raised at the right time, great, but many companies that are sort of really tight on budgets and are, you know, worried about their next fundraise. Um, we find a, that challenge of selling into that group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, it'll certainly be a very interesting next next 12 months. It sounds like you have plenty of runway to get there. But on that note, Pete, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Um, I mentioned this the, the first time, but I'm going to go back to it. Uh, it's it's Moneyball. So Moneyball is the inspiration for um, finding uh, unique things in data. And um, I've sort of based a lot of my personal career around it. I, I started my career in sports analytics and now have made a career in tech analytics. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, yeah, I, I, again, I think 
I'm going to go with another cop out, and I mentioned this last time. Um, no Stuart I, Butterfield. I know I'm going with Derek Steer, so I'm wearing a. <laughs> oh, a there you hoodie. go. So, um, you know, Moda is a company that uh, you were an early investor, it. weren't you? The first I, investor. I, 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 um, uh, David Sachs and I were the first two investors in in Mode the company. Um, you know, they spun out of Yammer, which was a team that I I ran. And now, ironically, they're a great partner of ours and that it pairs nicely with Mozart. But the thing that I respect most is that uh, they have forged a really great path of selling to data analysts and they think about the analyst um, so deeply. And then on top of it, they've started to uh, be able to solve problems that, that that you get to as you mature and mature, as you, as you move upstream. So we really do want to follow exactly in their path. And I'm going to take a cue from uh you know, from that whole founding team but Derek in particular about sort of being a thought leader and that driving kind of that that growth into larger and larger organizations. And if you guys want to learn from Derek, he is one of our keynotes at SAS Open coming up in 14 days in New York City, sasopen.com. Come learn great story. He's well, I don't know, that's public. I won't we won't chat about that yet. Number 3, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? Uh so favorite online tool, well, we have to, you know, we have to certainly shout out some of our customers. So like, uh, I obviously am a big fan of uh, Rippling. So, uh, you know, we, I'm not, believe it or not, an HR leader. I did mention, you did mention off the top that I work in HR tech, but, um, you know, having somebody to sort of steal that work uh, from me and making sure that, you know, our employees get paid is uh, first and foremost, right. Number th- uh, four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Um, I'm a light sleeper. I think they call it like a dolphin sleeper. So I do about five to six hours a night. Um, and I, I, I am drinking coffee now, but I, I also drink coffee maybe two days a week. So, uh, I'm pretty, I sort of freakishly able to, to get by with like five or six hours of sleep. That's great. I think you've had two birthdays since we last spoke. Are you 43 now? I am still 42. Oh, 42. Uh, okay. Know, get, getting it. Uh, you know, Dan, Dan and I started the company, uh, effectively in our forties. Uh, so late to the entrepreneur game, um, though we did start a hot sauce company together 10 years prior, but, uh, late to the entrepreneur game, but still going strong, still got the energy of a 24 year old, even if I'm 42. That's great. And they married, answered everything. married any kids, uh, you know, getting married, uh, oh, yeah, you know, you uh in yeah. June, in June, um, having, uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see if I can keep, uh, keep my energy through the, through the marriage and then what, whatever comes next. That's awesome. And Pete, last question, something you wish you knew when you were 20. Um, you know, I think the things that, uh, I, I'm actually going to my, I I actually just signed up to go to my 25th high school reunion. So I was, so I was eight, 18. Um, and you know, the things that I, that I really wish I knew, uh, you know, and I, I think it's, you know, I, I actually just had this moment of, of, of thinking about it. You know, I, I like to say that it, it kind of all works out. Um, you know, the things that I cared so much about. Um, I, you know, I remembered caring about you know whether or not I was the captain of my you know high school math team or whether I you know was uh, you know achieving some sort of like uh, not meaningless accolade. But that kind of has translated into you know that that desire for that and that push for that was exactly um, you know I think the things that sort of perpetuated me in, in different stages of, of professional growth. But it's also I, I wish I had cared a little bit less about it. And I also often feel silly about mentioning like high school accolades uh, for, for obvious reasons uh, 25 years later. So I, I would say that it kind of all works out as the thing that I most, uh, you know, uh, wish I knew or, or, or could wrap my head around. 
guys, Pete Fishman, MozartData.com. They've got big customers like Modern Treasury, call it almost 100 customers paying on average 1800 bucks a month. They're pushing a $2 million run rate today in a really good position. They closed a $15 million Series A last year at pushing call it somewhere around $100 million valuation. And they're being pretty scrappy about it. They didn't go hire 100 people. There are 25 folks full-time today taking a disciplined approach to growth. We'll see what happens next. Pete, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.